everyone, welcome back to the Earth Dawn Survival Guide, the podcast for all disciplines, pals, players, and game masters, with your questers Josh and Dan. That guy's Josh. And that guy is Dan. And on today's podcast, we'll be discussing all things thornical and highfalutin, uh, because we're going to talk about <laughs> the Renell of the Elven Nation. And today is going to be about the Carathaska Rennell in its entirety. So if you have any questions for us, please drop us a line at edsgpodcast at gmail.com. And we will get back to you and we can pick Josh's brain about whatever else we're going to talk about. Yeah, this so, starts off a series where we're going to be covering the great Rennells of the Bloodwood, which will then lead into discussion of Shosara and Sariatha, the Western Kingdoms as fleshed out in the 4th edition Elven Nations book. So we are kind of now moving back into 4th edition stuff <laughs> after quite a run of classic 1st edition, edition material. Yeah. Exactly. So um, we're going to talk about, I think there's eight Rennells we can get to, maybe 10 Rennells. I lost count and my numbering is not that great. So there are five main Rennells of the eight consortis that... Queen Alakia has around her at all given times. Uh, these five hold the most power. We will eventually get to all of them. So that is the Karathaska. Later on, we'll get to the Davinar, the Escalanas, the Jehalastri, and the Talshara. Now, Renel, I think, is just a very fancy word for tribe, kind of like an orc tribe or a troll moot, something along those lines. Please correct me if I am wrong. No, that's as good uh, uh, of any it's like a noble house it's it's the term for the elven yeah. noble houses fair enough and mostly by bloodline i assume like a sort of a larger extended family a renell consists of multiple families that are part of it gotcha so it's not just a single family although usually Rennells do tend to be dominated by one or two more powerful families that are sort of the leaders and, and for lack of a better term, nobles and aristocrats of that Rennell. But the Rennell will have quite a number of villages and communities that are under their auspice, essentially. And so, yeah, noble house, noble family the equivalent to like a, a powerful merchant company or something along those lines, if you're going to be sort of drawing parallels. But yeah, a troll moot is a very similar kind of idea, I would imagine. Fair. I just want to make sure I was <clears throat> having that illuminated and elucidated enough for the listener, because I'm going to play ignorant and let you just talk circles around me as we do this. So the Carathaska Rennell is mainly centered around the southern fringe of the Bloodwood. We're going to start there eventually, as to Josh's point. We'll get to Seriatha and Shosara. The Carathaska Rennell focuses mainly on trade within the Bloodwood. This is a long, complicated thing, as most elven things are. <laughs> yeah, the thing that kind of comes up here with regards to the Rennells is that broadly speaking, each Rennell focuses on or is known for a particular thing. In the Karathaska's yeah. case, that is trade, but it is not the sole domain of the Rennell. It is just what they are perhaps most renowned for. Yeah. It can be a bit silly to think of them as each only doing one 
thing and only being associated with that in kind of the way that the various uh, Theron noble houses are each kind of known for their thing and can be stereotyped as if you're going to be dealing with this, then you are going to be talking to these people. Yeah. Yeah. No, these are more fleshed out than, to Josh's point, they're more than just that one thing that they're known for. But this is the main thing that they are known for. They do, obviously, have something to do with the black market trade with Trenovar and Care Eidolon as well. So they don't think they're just high and mighty and only do things on the up and up. Nope. They don't. So a little history of the Carathaska Renell. Before the Scourge, they had exclusive pa- uh, royal patents to trade. And they built their entire network off of smaller Renells doing a lot of the work. And of course, the Carathaska pretty much collected the lion's share of all the silver uh, to be had there. But you know, they, they built this network. They didn't just do it in name only. They participated a little bit and they had lots of other smaller families, which are of course part of that Rennell. But Carathaska is the head of it. They're at the top of that pyramid. A lot of other families are at the bottom of that pyramid doing a lot of the work. So during the scourge, that was before the scourge, during the scourge, they prospered by continuing trading and minor Rennells at that point somewhat resented this. But Carathaska is of course I can't say benevolent entirely, but a little bit benevolent. And they have bestowed partial rights to trading to those other houses as well as kind of a reward and to prosper their loyalty and so forth and so on. So it's not like they are completely underhanded, like crime syndicate organization, but they're not exactly above board either. Yeah, this is one of the areas where the fact that ultimately the blood wood is a tyranny that's not the proper political term for it, but basically okay. that the queen is in charge of everything and decides who can do what when it comes to larger activities within the wood. Certainly the queen does not interfere with individual craftspeople performing their crafts or yeah. harvesting crops or doing their gathering or hunting in order to sort of feed themselves. But when it comes to the distribution of such things, Mm -hmm. the queen does have the ability and authority to limit who can do such things. And so while other houses and Rennells do have the ability to trade, none of them have been at it as long or as successfully as the Karathaska. And so Mm -hmm. don't have the network of connections and power that has been developed by the Karathaska over the centuries. Oh, yes. The ability of the queen, Alakia, obviously, most recently, but just in general in elven culture, to be able to show favor by granting, or in they chooses not to show favor, removing <laughs> the license, yes. the, the, the patent for various groups to perform tasks within the culture uh, to be recognized within the elven court as being able to do that is something that Alakia is very good at using to play individuals against each other to forestall any kind of possible organized threat to her rule. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. So that's all before and during the scourge. Since we are, of course, forwarding the timeline in 4th edition to after the scourge, even 1st edition was after the scourge, of course, Karathaska, like any good trading network, wants to expand, and they dream of establishing a trade outside the Bloodwood. However, Alakia says no. Well, <laughs> Alakia says no, except mm-hmm. for Care Eidolon. Karathaska Rennell has the exclusive right mm-hmm. to venture outside of the wood to care Eidolon for the purposes of what limited trade is permissible with those outside the wood because there are still things that need to be brought in from outside desirable goods and of course the Karathaska take advantage of this privilege by also bringing in things that aren't necessarily allowed yeah but of course the queen turns something of a blind eye to that as long as it isn't causing too much trouble because of course that would give her justification at any moment if she decided she wanted to cut the legs out from under the Karathaska. Absolutely. So of course, if they were to establish trade further outside the Bloodwood, this would increase their wealth and power always. Um, But what they really have in mind, aside from that, because it benefits them, is to really start the return of Bloodwood's prominence because they inherently believe that elves are innately suited to leadership. So this is the Karathaska highfalutin elves know best, and they want the Bloodwood to reassert itself and be actually the center of bar save instead of Thrall. This is the Karathaska's secondary motive. Yeah, I was going to say, the Karathaska certainly are interested in the financial power and wealth and influence that the trade outside the wood could bring them. Mm -hmm. But I think that is more of a primary concern over the possibility of becoming significant political players within the broad scheme of things. I think that they see political influence as a means to an end, and that end being to fill their coffers with even more wealth. Because uh, as we are all well aware, I'm sure wealth brings with it a um, corrupting amount of (laughs) influence and leverage. No argument here. So that's the overall view of the Karathaska, where they came from, how they survived, how they got through the scourge um, and their prominence. But some other Rennells just see the Karathaska as jumped up commoners lacking manners and taste. So if you get the idea that they are all pomp and circumstance, they're kind of not. The Karathaska are known for knowing the prices of everything, but the value of nothing. At least that's the common term going, that's the common slang be uh, held by all a, a lot of other of the Rennells who look at the Karathaska at court. Uh, yeah, a, a bit of an inspiration that you could take for that relationship is the rise of the mercantile class in the <laughs> Middle Ages, and especially as you get into the, the Renaissance and whatnot, the idea of trade making individuals who are not aristocracy into wealthy folks who have influence and abilities 
of their own, whether yeah. individually or collectively through a guild or some other organization, that gets to be a little bit looked down upon by those with more traditional and longer lineages of power and nobility. Yes. Another time period with a similar sort of thing is the idea of the nouveau riche start getting into the into the 19th and 20th centuries mm-hmm. with the industrial revolution and the robber barons and things like that that come about in that time period where you yeah. have a whole bunch of folks that suddenly by taking advantage of a new developing market or technology suddenly find themselves with a lot of wealth and power and influence that those who have been in the game for a lot longer are kind of uh not happy at others encroaching Mm -hmm. into their territory exactly so there is a lot of that the karathaska as merchants and traders and having a lot of favor from the queen that grants them the ability to take advantage and leverage that network, they are, in some regards, newer to the game of the great Rennells of Bloodwood and the political maneuverings and whatnot Mm -hmm. between them. Yeah. So definitely something to keep in mind and to look at. And I think as well, another aspect of that is perhaps a view, especially from the more long-established Rennells, the Karathaska's connection with the outside world through Eidolon mm-hmm. could perhaps be seen as something of a dangerous or corrupting influence in terms of infecting what is, in popular Bloodwood cultural sense, the purity of the elven nation. Exactly. I like that. So a little history, some legend some legend and or history to throw in your campaign if you'd like to do so. It is said that Eamon Karathaska was among the 10 warriors who accompanied Queen Dahlia on her perilous journey where they were all smote by a dragon um, because all of them died. But again, maybe they just claim somebody who they knew was there because none of those names were written down anywhere, but they claim that one of their own was part of that 10. And the rise to prominence didn't really begin until late in Queen Falia's reign. Falia's reign. Because, yeah, because they were the exclusive provider and trader of Sainor, a very tasty river grass, which is hard to come across. So that's what pretty much got them good favor with Queen Phyla. And they were awarded a land grant along the northern Mothingale River to develop that grass so that she could always have some. So a little bit of history for you. So in case you want to weave those details in. And this is the fun part. Athenia, Karathaska's son, soon wed Queen Phyla's chief blood warder, tying them even closer to the queen's court at all times. And that's when they were granted consortus status. And they did back Alakia's rejection of Theron protection openly, but secretly comments. There's a, there's a lot of secrecy and care that needs to be taken when you are dealing with the temperamental individual and political manipulator that is Queen Alakia. Yeah. <laughs> and even before then, but Queen Alakia especially, 
there would no doubt be quite a bit of vocal lip service and agreement being paid to whatever statements that she might make, mm-hmm. while perhaps not necessarily agreeing wholeheartedly behind closed doors and in closed family meetings. Yes, agreed. So there are some people of note in the Kirathaska Brunel. And I've, since we did this with the troll moots, the movers and shakers, the people to really be aware of in the troll moots, we're going to do it with the Karathaska Brunel as well. So Athenia Karathaska, since we just brought her up, is the matriarch. She was known as a brilliant dancer and brilliant flute player. Hence, she courted favor with the queen um, because she was a very good performer. She served as consortus until after the scourge because she was appointed by Queen Phyla and also served as consortus for Queen Liara and now Queen Alakia. So she's actually been consortus for three queens in a row and she's got a very strong friendship with Queen Alakia. Her eldest daughter, Hrenya, didn't survive the Ritual of Thorns. So this adds some complexity to the character of just singer and dancer uh, and flute player. She opposes the elven nation bloodwood isolation but she's slowly working on getting Alakia to maybe drop that <laughs> notion she knows it's the long game so she's playing the long game against queen Alakia because she knows it's not going to turn out a dime and, and she'll change her mind overnight well it is very clear that given the time scale and the number of individuals involved that Athenia is quite a bit longer lived than standard elves. Uh, Read into that what you will. Yes. (laughs) Her relationship with Alakia and the queens before them, especially if you ascribe to the idea that Alakia has probably been queen of the wood before, Mm Mm-hmm. That Athenia and Alakia go back a lot farther than even the public relationship would seem (laughs) to indicate. And so this starts potentially getting into these immortal elf family relationship things where they know each other very well because of this long association and – much like a lot of the other things that that go on, some care needs to be taken because Alakia can exile folks, mm-hmm. but also by the same token, eventually they all kind of need to come back together because yeah. they're the only ones that un- that truly understand each other. I think Athenia is playing the long game because she understands Alakia probably as well as anybody does having known her for quite some time having been consortis having you know spent all this time building up the Karathaska family fortunes and it is again if you're talking about immortal elf relationships and whatnot the advantages that the Karathaskas have been given over the centuries is probably a result of that relationship of that long-term association and how the the particular faction of immortal elves that are the movers and shakers behind Bloodwood are being put into positions of power and influence 
in order to shape more broadly the direction of that nation, despite it having sort of been interrupted by the ritual of thorns and its aftermath, in much the same way that there are probably a bunch of prominent folks in positions of power in Thera that are not too far removed from the uh, original founders of that, because that's kind of the, the underlying motivation behind a lot of what's going on between the broader strokes of nation versus nation relationships in Barsave and the broader world. Fair. So lest you think that Athenia is still in position, uh, she passed her position of consortis down to her nephew, Halion. So we're going to get into Halion, Karathaska now. He is the eldest son of Athenia's favorite brother, and her favorite brother and his wife also died during the Ritual of Thorns, because it's just tragic. So the only remaining family she has left, honestly, is her nephew, Halion. Halion has more of an easygoing approach to elves, so he's not as highfalutin hoity-toity. Uh, he does make frequent trips to Trenovar, and his main personality traits are he's clever, patient, and observant. So if you want to use him as an NPC, those are the things to lean on there. He does hold Alaki in very high regard. He knows that she has a blind spot for outside affairs. Anything external to the Bloodwood is usually her, I can't say Achilles heel, but just something she doesn't pay a lot of attention to. She's focused on the Bloodwood and that's where she wants to be. And he doesn't have, Halion does not have any animosity toward the Therans. And my favorite quote was, he doesn't consider them worth despising. Yeah. So I think just a very interesting character to be using in your campaign if you come across one of the Kirathaska. I would use him personally because I think he's a far more engaging character to use. Yeah. And the motivation there is basically that, well, the queen exiled the folks who went on to found the Theron Empire. So... And clearly she was right to do so. What possible threat could their descendants pose? I just doesn't consider them worth despising. Great. This is basically uh, take what you can from them, make a profit and move on and forget they exist. So that's how he kind of views uh, the Therans in any way, shape or form. The last one to pay attention to is kind of important in this regard. It's Captain Trellius. He was uh, one of the elves born after the Scourge. Uh, he took the Ritual of Thorns at age 15. He does not think it needs to still be a thing. And so he's vocally opposing any more Ritual of Thorns, uh, Rituals of Thorns for any other elves because the Scourge is over. He doesn't see the need for it anymore. So kind of a complex character there as well. And this is the one people actually might run into, this character, Captain Trellius, because he is the smuggler of ordinary goods and some illicit cargo up and down the river because he frequently goes to Care Eidolon and he's allowed out to trade with the Tuscrang. And even the Tuscrang are appreciative of his riverboat skills. And so if anybody badmouths Captain Trillius, they might find themselves at the wrong end of someone, some of a, a boatman's tail knocking them across the room because even the Tuscrang respect the elf Captain Trellius and his riverboat skills. Although he doesn't have a riverboat in the sense that the Tuscrang do, he has an elven sailing sailboat. vessel. Yes. So it is yes. a sailboat. I'm pretty sure, and I'm double-checking no, here right now. It's fine. I misspoke about the boats. Yeah, Captain Trellius actually does make an appearance in 
Heavy Metal Queen, one of the adventures in the Legends of Barsave series. Nice. nice. Because that adventure does involve uh, traveling into Bloodwood. Mm-hmm. He is the means by which the player characters actually make it into Bloodwood. Well, yeah, that makes sense. So that is a connection there. I like that. By the way, Captain Trillius is also a useful link to the Songbirds spy network. He may not be part of the network, we're not entirely sure, but messages somehow seem to get on his boats and they get delivered to other places. So <laughs> he's, a, he's the key, the, the integral part of the spy network getting information into Bloodwood and out of Bloodwood as the, the, the means go. So, yeah. Any further thoughts you have on the Carathaska Rennell? No, um, the only other thing that I would mention is that, again, if you are going to be approaching it from a possible immortal elf point of view, that Athenia stepping down uh, mm-hmm. in favor of her nephew is also a good starting point for her to retreat from public life and kind of possibly hide her if she is immortal. Mm-hmm. hide her nature as such in much the same way that other immortals have stepped back from public life yeah for a generation and to come back later in another guise perhaps yeah. as, as the descendant i'm reminded of the um hob gadling story from the sandman hmm. hob gadling being a man who as a result of a bargain or a bet of sorts between death and dream, death agrees not to take him until he asks to. Yeah. And then the story basically is every hundred years, dream meets with him in this particular tavern and catches up and, and sort of tries to understand humanity and see why it is, or, you know, what's going on. And, um, Hob in, in one of the things mentions, uh, you know, that he goes away for a little bit, then comes back as his own son. And he's done that a couple of times now. Yeah. There's that very similar kind of idea in yeah. play there mm-hmm. for those immortals who are being a little bit more public about their presence, not as immortals, but being more forward facing in terms of their role in Bloodwood politics. Oh, yeah. Agreed. So – I think it's a fascinating dive into the first Rennell, and I think this is a good one to start with. Honestly, yeah, enough. this is the one that is most likely to be one of the first or most common encounters that non-Bloodwood groups are likely to have with Thorn Elves because they are the ones that are more likely to be outside of the wood as a result of their trading network. I mean, you don't run into blood elves outside the wood very often in general, yeah. but any group that is going to be dealing with care Eidolon, for example, whether stopping by is just a visitor, whether it's going to be the base of operations for some expeditions or other, uh, within the area, the Karathaska, Rennell and, uh, the Talshara are the other ones that are most likely to be, the Rennells that player characters would encounter and deal with outside of the wood, particularly in Eidolon. Fair. 
So folks, if you have any questions for us, please drop us a line at edsgpodcast at gmail.com. Ask us anything you want about the Rennells. We will pick Josh's brain and get back to you on those on a later episode. So until next time, play the long game for your legend. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>